Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Oh, yes, I'm the great pretender. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. I'm lonely, but no one can tell. Welcome back, Indianapolis. This is another edition of Saturday Night on the Circle, where I'm your Bohemian Codger, Ethan Hatcher, and fair warning to producer Jack, who's on the board right now, pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function. Jack, I am very cranky. I'm very, very cranky this evening because I have been working on coming down with a cold all day, but not bad enough to skip out on the show. Yeah, my my mom also has a cold, so I I guess it's just going around. Tis the season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fortunately, this time we're not shutting down the entirety of America just because a few people, including myself, are (laughs) sick with the flu. Thanks for tuning in and spending your Saturday with me. Fortunately, I've got a lot of audio to help carry me through the broadcast, which (coughs) um, I have taken lots of medicine as well. Um, including antihistamines and some mucinex to help clear the system, um, just as the system has been cleared from yet another presidential hopeful. I'm referring, of course, to the unceremonious and disappointing exit of Ron DeSantis. Happened last Sunday. Now, you know, at the time, it was still a three-person race, but looks like Nikki Haley was right. It got cut down to two, and here's Ron DeSantis going out and immediately kissing butt as soon as he quit. Casey and I have traveled across the country to deliver a message of hope that decline is a choice and that we can, in fact, succeed again as a nation. Nobody worked harder, and we left it all out on the field. Now, following our second place finish in Iowa, we've prayed and deliberated on the way forward. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. I'm proud to have delivered on 100% of my promises, and I will not stop now. It's clear to me that a majority of Republican primary voters want to give Donald Trump another chance. They watch his presidency get stymied by relentless resistance, and they see Democrats using lawfare this day to attack him. Well, I've had disagreements with Donald Trump, such as on the coronavirus pandemic and his elevation of Anthony Fauci. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. He has my endorsement because we can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackaged form of warmed over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. Sad. Very sad. Sad. You know, Ron, it is possible for you not to have endorsed anybody and merely voted for the eventual Republican nominee when election time came, but evidently that's not the way it went. Like Phil Leotardo from The Sopranos once once famously said, uh, my estimation of Ron DeSantis as a man has just freaking plummeted because 
Donald Trump went after you very personally for months on end because you didn't demonstrate absolute loyalty. He went after your wife, your family, and you immediately turn around and kiss butt and endorse President Trump, which I I get is very, very popular, but you are late to the table, my friend. And so it does not look good on you to immediately turn around, throw Nikki Haley under the bus, and support Donald Trump. Like, look, she's already going to lose. There are lots of reasons to not support Nikki Haley. And (laughs) we we don't need Ron DeSantis endorsement to help make what is obviously the clear choice at this point. Now, Nikki Haley, apparently, much to my shock and chagrin, has more stick-to-itiveness than Ron DeSantis because despite her steep losses, she's Sticking around, staying in the race. Now you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves, saying this race is over. It is. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. It's over. We are screwed. So she doesn't have her facts right on a few different things, especially because New Hampshire's not first in the in the nation. That's Iowa. You you just got you just got done with that race, which you also lost and came in third place and came in second in New Hampshire, only with the support of 70 percent non-Republican voters uh, chipping in into the primaries to support her campaign. So Nikki Haley, yes, the race is effectively over at this point. And to be honest, I think it was over the moment the unlawful indictments against President Trump began to get handed down, especially coming out of New York for those ridiculous ridiculous charges of uh, his alteration of uh, values um, in real estate holdings for loans that he later paid back and for the non-crime that was hush money payments to Stormy Daniels. Not a crime. It is not a crime to have a settlement out of court with an individual that includes a non-disclosure agreement. So not a crime. And the second they came after President Trump with those charges, immediately the fundraising picked up, the attention was centered back on him, and I think at that point, the support was inevitable. Nikki Haley Klinger is even unpopular amongst veterans who are pointing out she's wasting millions of dollars on what effectively is a losing battle. You didn't even come close to beating Trump and you spent like $100 million in TV ad money. Do you know my husband's a veteran? That's fine, but He's I'm just saying I'm and asking you... do you know that when the media doesn't tell the truth, the whole reason you put commercials on is to tell the truth because the media doesn't? My point is you're not going to beat Trump and you know all what? the money you're wasting could go to better causes. I appreciate That would make that. the Republican Party actually... You know what? Last I saw it was yeah. a democracy. So we're going to keep working yeah. for a good democracy. Thank you for your service. There's nothing wrong with me. Maybe there's something wrong with the universe. Now, the MAGA camp is also not being gracious winners and appear to be in some ways divorced from reality when you have statements like Marjorie Taylor Greene saying that the results in New Hampshire were somehow illegitimate and that Trump didn't win by a large enough landslide because, what, the voters for Nikki Haley don't exist? I'm not sure, but that's what she said. The numbers are fake. Trump won. Just take the win, lady. 
These are fake numbers. Nikki Haley does not have this much support. She's going to come out and claim that she's rising in the polls. All these fake news media people up here on this platform are going to claim that Nikki Haley is rising in the polls. It's a total, complete lie. Absolute lie. Tonight, Nikki Haley was defeated. The problem is she's going to be dumb enough and she's going to be a fake candidate and she's going to keep going and we're going to destroy her in South Carolina. Is the whole world gone crazy? Am I the only one around here? Just a about the rules? Market zero. They're calling the cops, man. Put the peace away. Market zero. Walter, put the peace away. Like you can say the people who support Nikki Haley have bad judgment and made a mistake, but they're definitely not fake and manufactured. They're just misguided. And you're not going to consolidate the party with enough voters that you need to win the 2024 election by alienating people who would otherwise be willing to support the eventual nominee, which at this point looks very much like it will be Donald Trump. And finally, we've basically been bereft of his policy insights for the entirety of the debates because he refused to participate. But now we're getting a little bit of clarity from the former president. And I got to be honest, at least with the last points he made here in this release, I do agree with his positions on eliminating and curtailing the power and influence of the deep state within our government. And here's some of the proposals he has to limit their power. We will continue the effort launched by the Trump administration to move parts of the sprawling federal bureaucracy to new locations outside the Washington swamp. Just as I moved the Bureau of Land Management to Colorado, as many as 100,000 government positions could be moved out and I mean immediately, of Washington to places filled with patriots who love America, and they really do love America. Ninth, I will work to ban federal bureaucrats from taking jobs at the companies they deal with and that they regulate. So they deal with these companies and they regulate these companies, and then they want to take jobs from these companies. Doesn't work that way. Such a public display cannot go on, and it's taking place all the time, like with Big Pharma. Finally, I will push a constitutional amendment to impose term limits on members of Congress. This is how I will shatter the deep state and restore government that is controlled by the people and for the people. Thank you very much. I love the idea of term limits, and I love the idea of preventing members of Congress from seeking employment at companies that they formerly regulated. And while we're at it, can we also crack down on congressional insider trading, which is absolutely going on when these people enrich themselves to the millions of dollars and oftentimes come out exponentially wealthier than they entered. So Donald Trump has a point there, and I hope if he wins, that he follows through. But that's a big if, if the former president continues to alienate portions of the voting base, which he needs to support him in the general election. And that was a fear that was expressed by a Fox News contributor who's afraid he hasn't learned any lessons from his 2020 defeat. I, I'm not surprised that he's raising money. What I'm worried, what I'm worried about is his ability to win over Haley voters once this thing is over. You know, when he says anyone who makes a contract contribution to bird brain will be permanently banned from MAGA. You know, does that apply to Haley voters too? <laughs> you know, it shows that he hasn't learned any lessons from why he lost in 2020. He lost in 2020 because he lost 43,000 swing voters in three states. And 40, about 43,000 swing voters will decide this election next November. He's got to win them over.
Now, I get it. You don't like Nikki as a candidate, and I agree. But at the end of the day, if you're going to be the Republican nominee, you need to unite the party and get these people plus independent voters to support your campaign or we're doomed for another four years of Joe Biden, which I don't think the country can sustain. So take that as you will. I also don't think Trump can learn any lessons from the loss in 2020 when he still has yet to admit he actually lost the election. You can't learn if you don't admit the, the mistake. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, 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 the crime waves that are affecting the nation and seemingly every major Democrat-run city, including Indianapolis. We'll play you some clips from concerned business owners coming up next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Liberal cities across America consider to uh, continue to suffer from the short-sighted policy decisions of the Democrat governments they helped elect, including left-wing city of Pittsburgh regretting their anti-police stance, uh, many small business owners demanding more police officers to help curtail the increase in crime. But the 2024 budget that was proposed by the mayor uh, Ed Ganey is, is considering cuts by, uh, from a police force of 900 down to 849 in spite of the fact that small business owners are reeling under the pressures caused by runaway crime. Southside's one of the best neighborhoods in Pittsburgh. It's a great location, but uh, lack of public safety has ruined everything. I reached out to the mayor's office, who tells me it doesn't keep track of how many businesses close. In a statement, the administration said it believes Southside has a perception issue, but its officers are working to make everyone feel safe. Since the Southside Entertainment Patrol started cracking down on crime in July, the city says officers have made nearly 100 arrests. Chupka says more officers are needed to make a real difference in turning the tide and bring businesses back. Public safety is a foundation for uh, business districts, um, neighborhoods, and cities. You know, if you don't have public safety, you don't have anything. Look, if you hate cops just because of the cops, the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. How's that uh, anti-police, defund the police, Black Lives Matter stance working out for you now, Pittsburgh? I dare say not very well. And that includes other major Democrat cities like New York, where, what was it, more than 300 people were responsible for several million dollars worth of losses from retail establishments around the area of Manhattan in targeted organized theft rings. And you also have problems in the city of Seattle with break-ins that are causing 
small business owners thousands of dollars every time that happened. And again, this is a nationwide issue. You can point to places in Indianapolis where the exact same thing is going on, particularly uh, I'm thinking of small business owners uh, over there on 10th Street, close to rural. Tim and Company's another fine mess. They've had their front windows to their antique and restoration shop smashed a few times just in the last few months. And this is happening in uh, Seattle as well. It's not cheap to replace those windows, folks. Business owners say break-ins like this is costing them thousands of dollars in repairs when all they're trying to do is make a living. Every window like this, more than a thousand dollars. And you know, especially right now, the business right now, we doesn't make money. Philip tells me he added cameras to his salon, but feels like it's not enough. All he wants to do is protect his business. You like you want to protect your family, like you know, like me too. I try to protect my business to protect him and family. Philip said he's considered closing his doors because of the crime hitting this area. Renton Chamber of Commerce is asking people to show support for the small businesses that have been impacted. The deleterious effects of runaway Democrat policy are manifest in the increased crime rates and the complete abandonment of small businesses. This is the time for choosing. This is an opportunity for residents uh, across the nation and for each city. Of course, Indianapolis is... Already made our choice for the next four years. But if you're elsewhere in the nation, hopefully you can see the disastrous results of the policy around you and select better representatives for the city. Those that support the police department in their efforts to curtail the crime, which threatens you, the individual, the small business owner and the citizen. It also goes, of course, California is involved. Oakland, California, in and out Burger is uh, axing their only location in the entire city of Oakland, even though it was profitable because it is unsafe for customers and employees to continue to operate or consume at that establishment. In and Out Burger says it'll close its Oakland restaurant and the company says crime in the area is to blame. The Oakport Street restaurant is located in a strip mall off I-880 at the Hegenberger Drive exit. It is the only in and out in Oakland. This location opened 18 years ago. Now, the company's said business was good and profitable, but the safety of its customers and employees there was in jeopardy. in and out sent me a letter explaining the decision, saying there are regular car break-ins, property damage, theft, and armed robberies. The last day of business will be Sunday, March 24th. I spoke with a longtime customer of the in and out who says in recent years he has had to take precautions. I would do like I think a lot of other people are starting to do, just leave your windows down, you know, like the, at least you won't walk away with a broken window. Now, in March of 2023, Raising Cane's, which has a restaurant in that same strip mall, switched to drive through only in response to car break-ins in the parking lot. If you find yourself having to roll down your windows to prevent them getting smashed just while you enter a fast food restaurant to get a hamburger, you are essentially being held hostage in your own city. And for Oakland, I'd just get the F out if you had the ability, because my God, the liberal wasteland has left the citizenry completely desolate and decimated. It I mean, I could have continued and extended the segment for even more 
peppered with local news stories just like this around the country. But I think it's enough to illustrate the problems that you with your own eyes see going on here in the city of Indianapolis, too. It's not an isolated problem, but the identifying common factor, the lowest common de- denominator between all these me- metropolitan areas is the stranglehold that Democrats have on the local offices and and the withering effects on their community that are a result. It's time for a change. Now, I don't know how that's going to happen because of the demographics that are at work with major metropolitan areas, but lots of fundraising and concentrated effort can accomplish a lot. Look, even in our own city here in Indianapolis, it was not that long ago that we had a Republican mayor. It's possible. We can we can do it again. Maybe in 2020, what, 2023, hopefully, ideally, please, or uh, 2027, sorry, please, that'd be great. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Coming up next, we'll be following the doddering adventures of our uh, dementia-addled executive as he stumbled and fumbled his way through news uh, appearances this week. Uh, lots of gibberish to be entertained by. Don't miss Hat Tricks with Hatcher coming up next. All the You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to the show where this segment I'm featuring a Biden gibberish extravaganza. You'll hear how the dithering executive is fumbling and bumbling before the nation as he stumbles headfirst into a contentious election cycle. Will he have the energy to continue? Only time will tell. But meanwhile, we'll all chuckle at the doddering exploits of a dementia-addled executive for this week's edition of Hat Tricks with Hatcher. It's time for another one of Hatcher's Hat Tricks. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle, 93 WIBC, where I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, and producer Jack is on the board, pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. We begin with Joe Biden making an appearance in Wisconsin at a distillery where he was trying to make a broader point about beer, but he got lost in the gibberish. See if you can untangle what he was trying to say here. Beer brewed here, <laughs> it is used to make the brew beer. <laughs> oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why. You tell me who this sounds like. Slow moving, inattentive, dull constantly snacking. Okay, now I saw you searching for meaning there, producer Jack. Your eyes were rolling around. Did you untangle what the president was trying to say? Did you decipher that? No, I did not. No, no. I mean, it was complete gibberish. You can't understand what he's trying to say at any point. At very, I mean, look, he's calling out people who are dead, who aren't there. He's claiming to uh, have taken photographs with people who were nowhere near the event, and it keeps happening is the thing. This isn't just a mistake. 
mistake. It's a pattern. Like when he was talking about the blood of patriots and apparently threatening to use uh, F uh, 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 jet fighters against the American citizenry. And I love people who say the blood of liberty. Or excuse me, the, excuse me. The tree of liberty is water with the blood of patriots. Well, guess what, man? I didn't see a whole lot of patriots that are out there walking around making sure that we have these weapons. And if you really want to worry about the government, you need an F-16. Like Zoinks, man. This is really spooky. Yeah, this doesn't feel safe. Let's get out of here. So he's going to use F-16s against the citizenry that objects to his shipping of weapons to Ukraine. Like, okay, I guess. And by the way, uh, that Thomas Jefferson quote he was trying to use is the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. And I dare say, Joe, the tyrants part is referring to you. But of course, Joe Biden wasn't done there. He was also at an event in uh, Virginia. And you're going to be getting a lot more of this as uh, the election cycle really starts to heat up. And he has to hit the campaign trail in order to get voters to support him. Although how you could do so, I I will never know. Um, And he was in Virginia when he was uh, 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 talking about Donald Trump and uh, the women of America. And again, gibberish. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the women of America unless you want to get the benefit. Right. Yeah, I... I I, I don't know what he said there. I I, I just... I, I can't decipher it. And, of course, people who had to uh, transcribe that have approached the phrase several different ways, which means that there is no consensus on exactly what he meant. Although there is little doubt on what he meant by this phrase, which is how he began the appearance there in Virginia, touting the real governor, which is not the sitting governor, which means Joe Biden is an election denier. Hello, Virginia. And the real governor, Terry McAuliffe. Ooh. I really hate that man. Yeah, Terry McAuliffe lost the election to Glenn Youngkin. You you remember, Glenn Youngkin is actually the sitting governor of Virginia and not the fake governor, Terry McAuliffe. That's, That's just how elections work, which makes Joe Biden an election denier when he trots out phrases like that. And of course, criticizing Trump for making the same kind of ridiculous claims. Uh, Joe Biden, um, he also, like I said earlier, he sees people who aren't there. Last week, we played a clip of him uh, claiming to have taken a photograph with someone who was nowhere near the area. Now he mistakes Secretary Becerra with Secretary Mayorkas. And go ahead and Google those people because they do not look the same. There is not even a passing resemblance, but Joe Biden can't even get that right. I'd also like to thank the gender policy advisor, my gender policy advisor, Jen Klein. Yikes. Jen, where's Jen sitting? There you are, Jen. Thank you. And Secretary Becerra sitting right next to her. Secretary Becerra wasn't there. Secretary Becerra didn't attend the event. That was Alejandro Mayorkas. But talk about a gender policy advisor. No wonder the nation is crumbling when that's your priority. But of course, Joe Biden, he's back at his old tricks. He's talking about underwater trains that would unite the uh, east coast of Africa and go around the Mediterranean Sea through Europe and ultimately connect with England by going underwater. I had a resolution passed. Everybody thought it was nuts. 
instead of yes, that is railroad nuts. from Riyadh all the way to England, going underwater, not with the railroad, but pipeline through, it's going to go from Riyadh to Saudi Arabia to Jordan to Israel to so on and so forth. It'd be funny if it weren't so pathetic. No, what the heck, I'll laugh anyway. <laughs> you were talking about multiple thousands of miles of new rail being erected around hostile territory uh, with countries that have shown themselves repeatedly willing to damage infrastructure to achieve their extremist goals. So I like I, I don't think this is going to happen, President, especially when you would have to construct the trains underwater to connect the route that you're envisioning. Not the first time. He said that, by the way, promising to build trains across the ocean. Did you hear about this, uh, Producer Jack? We're going to replay great moments in Joe Biden train history when he said he was going to build a train across the Indian Ocean. Well, we're going to win and we're going to help. We have plans to build a railroad from the Pacific all the way across the Indian Ocean. We have plans to build in, 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 in Angola, one of the largest solar plants in the world. I can go on, but I'm not. I'm going off script. I'm going to get in trouble. Yesterday, I learned the difference between a train and a boat. I wrote this song before that. Train on the water, boat on the track. Train on the water, boat on the track. My lady took a train across the Atlantic. I hope it don't sink like the Titanic. I went to the station, caught a boat downtown. I hope it don't fall off the track and I drown. Now, he's also said we're going to build trains across the Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, the Indian Ocean. Jack, that is a lot of cross-oceanic rail travel. Doesn't seem possible. Or if it if it would be, it would be enormously prohibitively expensive, right? Yeah, yeah. doesn't seem possible. No, no. And, and that's why they said the proposal seemed really far-fetched, Joe Biden. They were, they were telling you, this is nuts, old man. You're not with it. Um, of course, when he makes ridiculous proposals like that, it forces administration flunkies to go run interference like Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, who's now just pretending that Joe Biden doesn't have a war against fossil fuel usage and uh, uh, an animus against energy production in the country, something that he spoke about repeatedly on the campaign trail and has carried out effectively as the executive. But of course, she's pretending, well, I didn't know that. He said, read my lips. We will put fossil fuels out of business. Uh, I, I did not hear him say that. Lies. I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel and I am not going to clock it. There it is. Ah, ah, he said it. He said it. Ah, ah, there it is. There it is. No uncertain terms in a rare moment of Biden lucidity. Um, but of course, when you have extreme positions like that, you cultivate some really odd weirdos who flock to your side and sometimes not to your benefit. And in this case, Nancy Pelosi getting heckled by a pro-Hamas protester from Iran as if Nancy Pelosi has anything to do with United States foreign policy. I mean, this is this is the insanity of uh, uh, the blue haired land whales that coalesce around the Democratic Party and one of them heckling Nancy Pelosi of all people. Nancy Pelosi, you are complicit in the Israeli crime of genocide. I'm an Iraqi refugee and I watch your government. You represent, kill a million of my people. You killed 70,000 of them. 
many of them died due to your complicity. We demand an end to the Zionist occupation of Palestine. We demand an end to the 17-year-long brutal siege of Gaza to be lifted. We demand an end. End the occupation now. End the occupation now. End the occupation now. End the occupation now. I'm on my land. We're both in America, which used to be a good country, until they started letting people like you do whatever you want. These people truly are a parody of themselves, and it's great that we have this, just for just for the entertainment value alone. Of course, it is frightening to see the de- de- decay and deterioration of our nation that surrounds us, but, you know, hey, we can laugh. That's the silver lining to all this, right? And you also had Kamala Harris running out and making word salad defenses for what she knows will be a contentious election election year, but maintaining the priority, of course, is free and fair elections. Do you have concerns about how to approach the certification process again on January 6th? I think everyone is right to be vigilant in demanding that we maintain our democracy and we uphold its pillars, which includes the integrity of a free and fair election system. My fellow Americans. As a young boy, I dreamed of being a baseball, but tonight I say we must move forward, not backward, upward, not forward, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. Gotta love a good Simpsons reference. Most importantly, though, you gotta call these people on their bullcrap. And when you're right, you're right. That's exactly what Donald Trump said and is promising to do. I find in life you can't let people get away with bullshit. Okay, you can't. You just can't do that. And it's a time for choosing coming up in the 2024 election cycle. Do you want the nation to continue to deteriorate or are you willing to dance with the devil you know and vote for Donald Trump? Those are the choices that we're shaping up to for better or for worse. So it's it's time to make a decision. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC. Stay tuned for more on Saturday night on The Circle. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle. Find my podcasts uploaded to WIBC.com and Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm. This segment, I wanted to talk about feminists who are upset, throwing a temper tantrum, weeping, and gnashing their teeth because. 
Barbie didn't get nominated for all of the awards. They feel like the movie was somehow snubbed because they didn't want to give Best Director to Greta Gerwig or Best Actress to Margot Robbie. Now, it got eight other nominations, including Best Picture and Best Song, but somehow that equates to patriarchy and male chauvinism and sexism against women. Like, you know what? Look, it's a Barbie movie at the end of the day, guys, and I watched that Kenoff video, look, it looks entertaining. I didn't go watch the movie when it was out in theaters, but I might actually go check it out because Ryan Gosling's performance looked pretty solid. The aesthetic also was dead on for how you would expect those plastic dolls to be interpreted in the real world, but it's not like a cinematic film. It's not as good as something like a historical drama, and they're really upset because Oppenheimer won all the awards. You know what, Jack? If I were making the decisions at the Academy Awards, I'd be like, you know what, guys? You're right. We did make a mistake here. You shouldn't get nominated for any any awards whatsoever because this isn't Oscar material. Yeah, I, I I haven't even seen the Barbie movie, but yeah, neither have I. Yeah, like, I mean, I get it was popular. It it, it won over, it got over a billion dollars. Yeah, it just seemed like a an odd movie, I guess. Like, well, more than it needed to be. You you know what else got a billion more than a billion dollars though? Transformers two, and we're not giving Oscars to Michael Bay's uh, nonsense either. You know, sharding on the silver screen. Um, now, here is another story that I wanted to talk about, uh, and it ba- might bear some pertinence to you, uh, Producer Jack. Are you on the dating scene? You taking a fine lady out for uh, meals uh, every week? Uh, not really. Not no. right now? No. Well, this is a good way to prepare for the inevitable because Applebee's right now, and I wouldn't ordinarily recommend you go to, App- to Applebee's because uh, it's just microwave food, but this is a fantastic deal. For $200 a year, you can go once a week and avail yourself of a $30 meal for two that uh, you you can use this pass for $200 for once for 52 weeks, which equates to about less than $4 a meal. I think it's like three eighty four a meal, which is a pretty fantastic deal. Even if you don't have a date, treat yourself. This is an investment. I don't know how, like how many weeks I could go eating like Applebee's like, Sure. Well, it's only once a week, though, you know, because so you have six other days to supplement and round out the experience, because otherwise I'm on board with you. Applebee's is just slightly a step above microwave food and not even not even really by much. Um, But for three eighty four a meal, I I guess I could be persuaded and it makes dates a lot cheaper. So I think this is the way to go. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle 93 WIBC. Coming up in the next hour, we have friend of the show Jason Hammer coming on the program. And we're going to talk about one man who could save us from the disastrous implementation of the Blue Line, which will mutilate Washington Street. I'll tell you about it coming up next. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle. Right now, a standoff is brewing in Texas 
between the governor and the federal government, which seeks to intervene on Texas and the National Guard enforcing federal border laws. Now, the Supreme Court stepped in and ruled that the Border Patrol can cut the razor wire erected by Governor Greg Abbott, but it didn't say anything about him continuing to erect more wire. So we're at a bit of a deadlock right now, and Governor Greg Abbott has declared that he will do anything and everything to continue the security of Texas. Quote, uh, the supreme law of the land supersedes any federal statutes to the contrary. Now, Here's where I'm sure I'm going to get in a bit of trouble with our listeners. They're often uh, uh, quite frustrated with the way that I approach uh, analysis with a little bit of nuance. And and I, although I agree in principle with Texas, and I highly encourage the governor to do anything and everything within his legal authority to stem the tide of uh, illegal migrants crossing the southern border, I don't think he can outright contravene federal law. You see, for if we allow states to start uh, uh, flouting federal authority on the border, that paves the way for if and when Donald Trump were, for example, to become president of the United States, other states in the union like California to then disregard the federal authority and enforcement of border policy. You, you see, it goes both ways. If Texas can flout the authority of Joe Biden, then California could, in theory, flout the authority of Donald Trump and not allow, for instance, uh, construction of the border wall to be erected on their state territory. So, there, there are bigger issues at play, and I, I don't think that the governor is outright defying the Supreme Court order, especially because um, they didn't say that, that he was disallowed from erecting bar barbed wire. But you are creating a bit of a conflict for future executives and opening the gateway for just a mass of confusion where each state has its own border policy. So states like Washington at our northern border might have a very diff different uh, uh, policy from Montana or from uh, North Dakota or from other border states. We, we need unity. We need uh, a continuity of system, which is one of the reasons why our constitutional structure gave purview of border enforcement to the federal government. Now, I don't like the way that Biden has been conducting the border, obviously letting in thousands, if not millions of illegal migrants over the course of his tenure. But I, I don't think that the states then have the authority to flout federal control over that border system, no matter how heinous it is. Um, but we should push back and we should push back against absurd claims like the administration is trying to make, essentially blaming the illegal migration situation on Republicans or denying that it even exists, like John Kerry, who or not John Kerry, uh, John Kirby, excuse me, um, who says that he believes that the border is being enforced. Why are you guys making it easier for people to enter the country illegally? we are. Why do you think we are? Well, you guys sued to cut razor wire that was put in place by Texas officials. So that the Border Patrol could actually do their jobs, but keep going. Well, you won in court, so now what? The Border Patrol Union president is saying the Supreme Court's decision is going to undoubtedly encourage more illegal immigration. Do you guys know better than the Border Patrol Union? The Border Patrol needed access, and that's why we sued to get rid of that uh, radar so that they could do their jobs. It can't be bargained with. 
It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead. That's why the 2024 election is so utterly vital, because these officials are flagrant in their disregard for the safety of Americans and the constitutional integrity of our border system. It's unacceptable. And right now, the administration is trying to point the finger at Republicans for not cooperating in their aspiration to provide blanket immunity and uh, endless giveaways, which, of course not. That is not a solution to the border crisis. In fact, it will only exacerbate the problems. But you hear little drops in admissions like Vice President Kamala Harris, who is intent on giving all the equities to the uh, illegal migrants. Uh, read free giveaways from the government. I will tell you that the negotiations that are happening right now, I hope, are going to be directed at solutions that are genuinely focused on fixing the problem, including all the equities that you mentioned. Money, please. Oh, no, no, there's no money. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> that's fine. Um, I'll just destroy this office. Oh, hey! <laughs> money, please. Money, please. Ben, give her some money. It's easier. No, Republicans will not go along with the plan to unload the coffers of taxpaying citizens on illegal migrants or fast track immunity and uh, citizenship for people who flouted the legal system. Republicans will not cooperate with that. And it's not incumbent on the party to give Joe Biden a win during an election year, which is what Corrine Jean-Pierre is desperately hoping for. The president spoke to this last week uh, a little bit, too. He said, you know, he, he called out, he said to House Republicans, do you really want to actually fix this problem? Do you really actually want to um, do the work that's needed to deal with the issue that we're seeing at the border? Do you really want to fix this immigration system? I'm adding on to what the president said, but that's a question for House Republicans. I think we have proven, Republicans in the Senate and Democrats in the Senate, have proven that we actually want to work on this issue, uh, on this broken system. And so, look, if they are real about this, if they want to fix this problem, then they would get involved. They would get involved, but they haven't. Do you have any evidence at all? Well, Your Honor, we've got plenty of hearsay and conjecture. Those are kinds of evidence. Now, you may have heard in the top of the new hour news update from Fox News that apparently the Senate has burped up a plan with Democrats to slow down the rate of illegal migration across the border. They're setting thresholds, you see. Um, I believe that over 5,000 a day would trigger a shutdown, but that would imply that less than 5,000 a day is accepted. No, it's not. That's still thousands of migrants crossing the border and not an end or a solution to the problem. Now, you just heard Corrine Jean-Pierre blaming Republicans for the situation that Democrats created by rescinding the executive orders that President Trump had implemented and other border, secure, uh, border security measures. And who would agree with the press secretary? None other than former Congresswoman Liz Cheney, who's still dumping all over the Republican Party. We all know how dangerous the situation is at the border. Um, I think, you know, as I said, the Biden administration, you know, deserves real criticism for the fact that they haven't secured the border. Um, but now for the Republicans, the Republican leader to be saying, well, we, we're not going to take any action because Trump doesn't want us to. Um, you know, that that just, I think, confirms what everybody's frustrations are about about politics today. And is just really, really cynical and sad that that's the position they're taking. 
You dirty bitch! Look what you've done to my peonies! They're marigolds! I think she's right. They are marigolds. I may not know my flowers, but I know a bitch when I see one! And that's why the voters expressed a vote of no confidence and ousted Liz Cheney from office, which she so richly deserved. And still, because she has a great animosity for Donald Trump, is dumping all over the Republican parties and support Republican Party and supporting the Democrat proposition that they are responsible, the Republican Party, for the crisis at the border, which Democrats are, in fact, the ones that created. Good riddance to Liz Cheney, and may she never return. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Coming up next, friend of the show, Jason Hammers in studio. We're going to talk about the disastrous potential implementation of the blue line, which may be stopped by SB 52 and one heroic state senator that we'll tell you about in the next segment. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On Saturday night where I was born, down on the phone, guitar clinking and we started drinking till the break of dawn. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm your bohemian codger, Ethan Hatcher. Thanks for listening. Catch my podcasts uploaded to WIBC.com and SaturdayNightOnTheCircle.Fireside.FM. With the forthcoming mutilation of Washington Street in the capital city seeming almost inevitable at this point, one man has authored a bill which may save our city from the short-sighted implementation of an unpopular and poorly planned transit expansion. Here to help discuss the potential saving grace is the patron saint of beers, broads, and brazen attitudes. He's the favorite son of Beach Grove and one half of the number one rated Hammer and Nigel show, Jason Hammer in the house. Whoop, whoop. That's a hell of an introduction. And I feel like I should keep talking here just so you can catch your breath because that was fantastic. You deserve nothing less, sir. (laughs) Stellar. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. So as a fellow resident of Marion County, perhaps you may commiserate with me for a moment about the potential implementation of the blue line, which would take away nearly half of the available lanes on one of the central's, city's central through fares, being Washington Street, which is essential to small businesses and commuters and residents and all kinds of people who utilize the capital city. And instead, they're going to take away lanes to implement the blue line. This frustrates me to no end when the red line has been enormously unpopular and very poorly planned, and the purple line looks largely to do the same. Ugh. Now, I don't know if the red line is unpopular because I constantly see the homeless community enjoying the benefits that come with these stations of the red line. Right. They sleep there. They fornicate. uh, They treat their bodies like an amusement park. I think they're really appreciating the fact that the red line stations are there, Ethan. Those weren't the commuters that we were promised, (laughs) though. These aren't the working Hoosier citizens that were supposed to utilize this to go get their groceries. I keep hearing that Indianapolis is one of the largest food deserts in the nation, which I think is absolutely hysterical. Why do we have so many fat people? Uh, Indeed. And I can say this because I am one. You know, like, Abdul can say some things about the black community that we can't get away with. I feel like I can rip on fat people because I'm a little bit overweight. Obesity is but a symptom of food deserts you see, Jason, because of the lack of availability of nutritious food. And supposedly buses are going to help with all this. And here's the thing about what's going on with this blue line. All joking aside here, it's not the fact that 
we're anti-public transportation. Now, I will say Indy is different. Indy is a big city, but it's not a big city the way Chicago, Atlanta, Indeed. New York, L.A. is. Indy is pretty connected for the most part, and there's plenty of room to park, plenty of room to commute. So that's what separates Indy from a lot of other places. That's why this city, you know, this you know Midwestern cold-weather city, Indianapolis, gets so many major events because people like the fact that everything so is right. so connected and people can park and do things. We're not saying that you can't have public transportation, but the dedicated line, that's the problem here. Mm -hmm. So if you can figure out a way to still have your precious blue line, because let's be honest, they're going to spend our money frivolously no matter what we do. So if they're going to do this, if they are hell-bent on doing the blue line, and if the city county council and boss hogs it, they want to move forward, all we're asking is don't make it a dedicated lane. Allow other folks to go around these buses from time to time, and we got a ball game. But that's asking too much right now, apparently. And that's where hero of the hour, State Senator Aaron Freeman, steps in, authoring SB 52, which, like Obi-Wan Kenobi, it may be our only hope. This is our most desperate hour. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Because SB 52 would prohibit the implementation of dedicated lanes, just like you were talking about. And look, as a regular person who commutes on Washington Street to get to this very fine radio station in downtown Indianapolis, I can promise you more often than not, it's vehicles that are being held up by the bus system and not the bus system that is being held up by vehicles. You see them stopped, Jason, at green lights because they're waiting for people to board the bus. This isn't a vehicular problem and eliminating almost 40% of the lanes on Washington Street is not a freaking solution. No. And I know the folks on the left, the political leftists are going to say... Like socialist Jesse Brown. Right. Why are you so against public transportation? What's your fascination with parking spots? Uh, James Briggs, who has been on our program before. Listen, let's be honest. We've had that guy on. He's came into the lion's den before. More so than most people, he will at least come on our show and fight back with us when we call him out. He was one of the folks in the past that always criticized Indianapolis citizens for being concerned about parking spaces and traffic. Well, it's a big deal when your city is growing. And the mayor says it's growing all the time. That's his justification for the high homicide numbers. So (laughs) using the mayor's own words, the city is growing. You have to allow uh, more lanes. If you're going to do construction projects that expand 465, which they're doing, especially over by the southwest side, the Man Road area, sweet mother of God. Uh, But if you're going to allow all that expansion and tell me that the city's growing, you can't be shortening lanes of major thoroughfares that go from one part of the county to another or even connecting county to county. And can we call out Socialist City Council member Jesse Brown for just a moment because he is, after all, my representative there. That's your guy. That's my guy. I didn't vote for him. I didn't vote for him. (laughs) (laughs) I voted for Libby Glass, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Jesse Brown, my representative, bullying small businesses in the community of Irvington who have spoken out against the implementation of the Blue Line because it would adversely affect their ability to perform in the community, especially with these long construction, you know, times that are diverting traffic and uh, preventing people from entering in, bullying them and rallying for them to go out of business just because they object to the implementation of the blue line is how ridiculous the fervor around this has become. 
What is wrong with the people in your district, Ethan? Because I don't know. <laughs> Zach Adamson wasn't left enough. You had to dump Zach Adamson and bring in this guy. This guy looks like Jesse Camp, who used to be the MTV DJ contest winner. And I think Jesse Camp may be more qualified to be on the city county council than this clown. And you know why they got rid of Zach Adamson? Because of his, quote, anti-homeless policies. That's why Zach Adamson was persona non grata in District 13. What does that even mean? Well, you see, remember a few years ago when there was trash literally piling up in the by, you know, the truckload around Monument Circle. Yes. Literal mountains full of garbage. Zach Adamson decided it would be a good idea to prevent that in the future by requiring charitable organizations not to stop but merely register with the city and tell them, what are you going to do so that way we can prepare for the mountains of garbage generated by your so-called generosity, and that was anti-homeless. So out Zach Adamson goes, and in comes socialist Jesse Brown. I'm just... Uh, Isn't it funny, though, because I've dealt with this, too, because I did an interview with the Washington Post talking about the crime and the homelessness in Indiana, and people came at me for being, you're anti-homeless. No, that's not the case at all. I'm anti-homeless guys masturbating in front of the place where I go to work every day. I'm anti-homeless people making love under the awning of the theater on Monument Circle. I'm anti-defecating in the street. Harassing pedestrians and leaving behind used needles, you know, among many other right. uh, activities. Like, And I said in the interview, you can't walk to a Colts game or a Pacers game without dealing with all the panhandlers and stepping over people. Now, I will say this. I think the city has to do a better job of rehabilitating these people. And this is a big, big deal around the country. I get that. If you got all these billions to give to Ukraine, you can't find a way to rehabilitate some of these folks on the circle. Because I get it, man. I do. If you're somebody that's down on your luck and you've hit rock bottom, you've got nowhere to go. That sucks. I hope you get the help you deserve. I'm happy to help the Salvation Army, but some of these folks have to want the help. And there's a lot of folks on Monument Circle, they don't want the help, and they want to be violent. Ask Guy Relford. Now, Guy Relford's a big dude. He's every bit of 6'3", 6'4". He's known as the gun guy. And he was accosted coming in to do an interview with us one day. So if they're going to accost this guy that looks like a retired NFL linebacker, what are they going to do with you and your family when you walk out of the new Taco Bell cantina? And we have so many problems facing this city, the homelessness problem, uh, the property tax problem, and of course the bus lines, which are not a stand-in or they shouldn't be for homeless shelters. That's not how we address this issue. So if you think the implementation of the blue line as proposed will be a disastrous misfire for the city. Contact your local representatives and help SB 52 move through the General Assembly. We need to get that done. Absolutely. And it's never going to be enough. If you keep letting this stuff go, it's never enough. Joe Hawk said nothing would make him happier than you not having to drive to work. He wants you to take the bus. He wants you to take some sort of line. He hates the fact that you drive and park downtown and you don't need an electric vehicle to do it. That's kind of the shape of the Democratic Party. And what's disappointing is Boss Hogsett didn't used to be like this. Back in the day, he was a Democrat. Don't get it twisted. But he wasn't this extreme. Lately, he's been auditioning for some higher gig to which he never got, and that's why he ran for mayor again. I got a lot of birdies on the inside, as Rob Kendall would say, that said that's why Joe Hawksett ran again. He was hoping to get a 
cush job with the Biden administration, but that went to Atlanta's mayor. He was hoping to get on the board of some university somewhere, but they all looked at him and said, are you drunk? Which is a fair question when you're talking about uh, the mayor of Indianapolis. Sick burn. So he had nowhere else to go. So lucky us, we have him as the mayor of Indianapolis. He is the leftover. Now, I, before we go, Jason, there was one other issue that you desperately wanted to cover because it really grinds your ears. What's going on with the Indiana death penalty right now? Nothing. And that's the problem. So this past week, we found out that the death penalty was being taken off the table for the killer of IMPD officer Breanne Leith. She was responding to a call about four years ago. She knocks on the door, you know, announces police. Shots come firing through the door, hit her twice in the head. This was a beautiful young lady. She had won awards for community service. She was a mother. She was a daughter. And she was murdered in cold blood. She was in favor of the death penalty as an officer. Her family wanted the death penalty for her killer. And this past week, we found out that it's not going to happen. Death penalty has been taken off the table. And it's because some quack, some absolute quack physician said that the shooter, Elias Dorsey, was insane. Even though he had never had a history of being insane. Ah, the insanity defense. Nice. And it was their second attempt to get the death penalty taken off. The first excuse was, well, he didn't know it was a cop when he fired. Like, that's supposed to make it better. That didn't fly. So they took another pile of crap, shoved it against the wall. This one stuck. They were going for excuse after excuse to get the death penalty removed. And some quack sided with him and said he was insane. And the law in the state of Indiana is that if you are labeled insane by someone who is a physician of some kind you cannot be executed so this poor family who had their daughter murdered in cold blood while you know helping the city of indianapolis they're not going to get the justice they deserve now i think that's awful and i do agree with you that these scumbags who unquestionably committed heinous crimes and murdered others should have the death penalty exacted upon them however there is a counter argument being that there are occasionally innocent people who are killed i mean that it comes with an inherent risk when you are executing the death penalty now we don't know how many people who have been executed were subsequently innocent but we do know since 1973 more than 196 people have been exonerated by hard evidence True. who otherwise were on the death penalty. Two of them came from the state of Indiana in the last 50 years. So how do we clean up the system and make sure that the right scumbags are getting the needle? Because I'm not against the death penalty, right. but is it worth it when one out of 10 people who are executed by the state turn out to be innocent? That, and that's a great point to bring up. There are so much, so many more advances in forensics now than what there used to be. All of your statistics are correct. Your data is correct. But the way law enforcement can work these days today, it's a whole new ballgame. And I'm not saying don't let the legal system run its course. By all means, when you're talking about life and death, do it right. Go through all of the appeals. But there are two people that are sitting in Indiana death row that are out of appeals. One of them is the cop killer from my hometown in Beach Grove. And while he was in court, he looked at the grieving widow, called her the B word that rhymes with which, and right. had the deceased officer's badge number tattooed on his neck. Explain to me why this guy is still breathing our air. And Governor Holcomb is too weak to do anything about it. His excuse is, well, we, we don't have the lethal cocktail anymore, which is a bullcrap argument because other states are able to pull it off. So let the you know, system run its course. Let everybody have their days 
plural, in court, let all the forensics evidence do its thing. But when you have horrible, rotten SOBs in prison living the sweet life because cop killers in prison get treated like kings... That's unacceptable to me. Look on the silver lining. You mentioned Governor Holcomb. At least he's getting term limited out of office. So maybe there's a chance to turn things around. Let's do it. I want to make the red hats, you know, make executions great again. Can we sell those at the Hammer and Nigel merch store? Hey, I'd be a buyer. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show, Jason. You got it. Thanks, you. You're listening to 93 WIBC Saturday night on The Circle. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. is Saturday night on The Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. If you've missed a moment of any of tonight's broadcast, check the podcast uploaded to WIBC.com and Saturday night on The Circle.fireside.fm. Plus, hop in the chats while we're uh, streaming live on the YouTube machine. I always appreciate seeing you guys' comments. This segment, I wanted to talk about the first public appearance of Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. But before I get into that, I thought state issues may be more pertinent. And this was a bill introduction that caught my eye. It made its way out of committee, Producer Jack. And I think this is utterly ridiculous. SB 145 that would restrict students from using wireless devices during classroom time. It was reported on by WTHR. Should students be allowed to have cell phones in Indiana classrooms? A bill that passed out of the Senate's Education and Career Development Committee could answer that question. State House reporter Emily Longnecker is here with the latest on how this bill could impact your kids inside the classroom. Emily? Senate Bill 185 would restrict students from using wireless devices, not just cell phones, during instructional time. Those wireless devices would include cell phones, a tablet or laptop computer, or a gaming device. Under the bill, teachers could allow a student to use a wireless device for educational purposes during class. A student could also use a device during an emergency or to manage their health, like alerting them when it's time to take medicine or when their blood sugar is low. Okay. Now, if you ask me the question, do I think that kids should be using their wireless device during class? No, of course not. That's ridiculous. But, Producer Jack, I've got one glaring flaw with this law. I'm listening. Enforcement. What are they going to do about it? Just because this law is on the books. Every law includes the implied threat of force if you don't follow it. So what happens if some little brat takes his cell phone into the classroom? Are you going to send the cops to de- <laughs> Right. Are you? No, right. You laughed because that's stupid because yeah. that's absolutely stupid that you would be taking some little kid to jail because they used a cellular device. Now, I don't think that's included in the bill, but what might be included in the bill? A fine? 
Are you going to fine little Timmy, give him like a $250 ticket because he took his cell phone with him to class? Or are you going to give little Timmy's parents, mom and dad, a $250 fine? What? What is this? Like, there is no enforcement mechanism. Again, like, I'm all, I'm fine with teachers limiting the ability for students to use distracting devices during classroom time. That's great. Yeah. But being addressed in the general assembly, what? Are, where's the enforcement mechanism? You're not going to fine little Timmy. You're not going to fine little Timmy's parents. And you're certainly not going to be throwing anybody in jail for utilizing cellular devices or wireless devices, gaming devices in the classroom. Yeah, no, like, good luck doing that like right at this like point in time like where we live now at any point in time yeah. jack at well, any point in time that would be utterly preposterous <laughs> and ridiculous you know what we did to disruptive students back in the day what expulsion kick them out if they're going to continually disrupt the learning activities in the classroom, they don't have the right to stand between other students and instruction if it's truly that bad but yeah. putting this law on the books is going to effectively do nothing, especially when many classrooms already limit wireless devices. This is a solution in search of a problem without an enforcement mechanism that spells disaster if it ever would be implemented. Yeah. Which, right. I don't think it's needed. It's kind of like extra. Yes, it's super extra. <laughs> yeah. It is super extra and onerous and ridiculous. And I just wanted to pause and focus for a moment on the disaster proposal that SB 185 would impose on the citizens of Indianapolis. Like, look, take some responsibility. If your brat is using a cell phone during classroom time, take it away from him. Little Timmy had to get that from somewhere, right? He didn't buy it with his allowance. These these iPhones are relatively expensive. He had to get it from mom and dad. If mom did, mom and dad gave it to you, they can damn sure take it away, right? Right. Right. Okay, so now that we've got that addressed, I also wanted to cover uh, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. He made his first public appearance since the scandal where he disappeared and temporarily left the business of the United States to the defense or uh, deputy defense secretary without informing anyone, including the White House, where he was or what this was for. But now he's popped back out of the shadows to reassure everyone, don't worry, there's no malfeasance or funny business going on with the weapon transfers in Ukraine. Everything is on the up and up. Money laundering? What? No, no there's no money laundering here. The United States continues to work hard to monitor and account for U.S. security assistance delivered to Ukraine. And we've seen no credible evidence of the misuse or illicit diversion of American equipment provided to Ukraine. But what we do see is Ukraine using the capabilities that we provided to defend itself against Russian aggression. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. <laughs> this is the same government which tried to tell us that they didn't leave any equipment behind in Afghanistan. What are you crazy? Don't believe the photos. Don't believe the on-scene reporters. Don't believe your eyes. Trust the government. They didn't leave any billions of dollars worth of equipment behind in Afghanistan. Look, if they're not going to be honest about that, I certainly don't expect them to be honest about whether any funny business is going on with these multi-billions of dollars that we've sent in equipment and funding to the 
Ukraine, especially coming out of the mouth of Lloyd Austin, who won't even be transparent about his health problems and the administration still circling the wagons to his defense. It appears that there will be no consequences for that level of dishonesty to the American people. This was uh, General uh, General Patrick Ryder uh, commenting on the defense secretary scandal. Why Why do you think he decided not to address the fact that he was at home or say anything about his health in his, in his first public appearance since being released from the hospital? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate the question. Again, uh, it's his prerogative uh, on any remarks that he gives uh, to, to amend those uh, in delivery. I, I will say I'm glad that everyone was able to watch his remarks uh, about the impact of the Ukraine Defense Contact Group and the important work that it's doing to save lives from Russia's illegal and unprovoked uh, aggression. What is the meaning of this outrage? I beg your pardon? Will you be good enough to explain all this? First of all, I would like to make one thing quite clear. Yes? I never explain anything. No transparency coming from the defense secretary and no willingness from the administration to punish what is very forthrightly blatant dishonesty coming from a cabinet member. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC Saturday night on The Circle. We got one more segment to go. Don't miss a moment. Stay tuned. A candy-colored clown they call the Sandman Tiptoes to my room every night This is Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIBC. Go to sleep, everything is alright Thanks for listening to the show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. This is Saturday Night on The Circle. I'm your bespectacled curmudgeon, Ethan Hatcher, and I've had an excellent evening sharing the airwaves with you, despite my stupid chest cold that I've been fighting all day. But I think we made it through the show, Producer Jack. I think I think it's been mostly okay. Yep, yep. I, I'm pretty like tired and had an off day as well, so I'm ready for it to be over. Yes, get some rest, man. I hear you. Okay. Coasting things to a close this evening, I wanted to cover an ongoing topic that we've mentioned for a few shows now. It seems like there is an increase in dangerous air accidents, near air collisions because of inattentiveness at the air traffic control or pieces completely blowing off the airplane like the uh, Alaska Airlines Max 7 jet which had a uh, uh, door sucked out at 16,000 feet in the air which is crazy and now wheels are just falling off the plane this I think can be attributable to the push for diversity equity and inclusion within hiring practices for these airline manufacturers and now we might have more plane crashes but Hot damn, there'll be diverse plane crashes. Tower, the 75 on the runway just lost a nose tire. Delta 78, thanks for that. Delta 982. Uh, tower, sounds like we've got a problem. Uh, yeah, it looks like we'll try to taxi clear if we could. Delta 982, Roger. Um, if you'd like, start your taxi down the runway and just let me know. Roger that. Delta 982, this is the aircraft looking at you. you. One of your nose tires just came off. It just rolled off the runway uh, behind you. All right, tell you what, let me uh, talk to maintenance tower. Uh, let me have a, I'm going to contact our maintenance folks and see if we can get a tow in. Stand by one, please. That's all, folks. Okay, 
Look, anytime you step on an airplane, it's somewhat of a nerve-wracking experience because you are trusting your life to the maintenance and integrity of this system. Now, Producer Jack, would your anxiety be shooting through the roof like mine if you were a passenger on that airplane and you just see boing, 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 a tire rolling down the runway past your window? Yeah, that would make me question some things. Yes, and as well it should. That would make you question some things and maybe, you know, if at all possible, take a boat, take a train, take any other means of travel besides an airplane that is shambling and falling apart at the seams because of these diversity, equity, and inclusion guidelines. Yeah, it's getting crazy right now. Truly, everything. I mean, whether it's the airlines, whether it's our cities, or whether it's the national government, everything deteriorating, collapsing, we're circling the drain. We need to make a change, and hopefully that change is coming in 2024. Thanks for listening to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I had a blast, and I leave you with my parting words of wisdom, as always, wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever you're doing, remember that life is a state of mind, and I'll see you right here next week on the one and only 93 WIBC. (laughs) 